Brin, B-R-Y-N-N. I'm Anderson. Oh. Brin. Christine. My middle name is Christine. <laughs> Hello, how are you? Welcome to another Live At Ya. It is your neighborhood singer-songwriter, podcaster, rambler, um, dad, day jobber, dreamer, hiker, uh, what a golf, a hacky golfer. Uh, yeah, all those things and more. Occasional cook, although I haven't been doing that much lately. Um, we are like at the at the bottom of of the fridge and at the back of the cupboards. In terms of what we have for food around my house right now, we haven't been to the store in a while. We uh, re-upped our Costco membership, so we've been doing that a little bit. And uh, there are there are some nice, easy, and hopefully not too unhealthy meals that we we've been able to whip up from Costco. So it's kind of like shifted my motivation and and what I expect to the level of effort that I expect to have to put in on dinner recently. I'm like ah, dinner should be easy. Just throw you know throw something in and heat it up and. Let's keep it moving, you know, uh, especially when I get in these phases of creativity and, and productivity with music stuff. And, um, you know, obviously the day job and the family keeping us busy, too. But, uh, you know, it's just like, all right, you know, di- dinner's dinner and just like whip something together. And my kids are pretty picky. So we're still in that phase where we're, we're creating two meals every night, pretty much one for me and my wife and one for my kids. This morning, my breakfast consisted of the second half of my daughter's Honey Nut Cheerios. So, uh, you know, nice soggy, way too much milk in the bowl kind of, kind of cereal experience. And I'm just like, well, I'm a dad. It's part of what I do. I don't like wasting food. So I'm going to finish this food. And, uh, that may be why I think I'm a couple pounds overweight. It's cause, uh, you know, at the end of the night, it's like, oh, there's some, some leftover sweet potato fries the other night. I was like, well, these are delicious. And slammed those after I had already eaten, you know, I, I I'm sure I'm not alone. It's like, if there's food around, I don't want to waste it. I'm going to eat it. Anyway, um, that was not uh, that was not on the script. That was not part of the outline. What are you having for dinner? What should I make for dinner tonight? The other thing about Costco is we, we do a bunch of, the, like, we'll get something in bulk and then freeze a bunch of it. And, uh, you know, that's, it seems to be working out okay. I hope it's going to save us a little money and, and get us to eat in a little bit more. We don't eat out a lot, but, you know, it, it is the convenience factor is uh, is nice with the Costco stuff that you can just kind of dump and heat up and keep it moving or throw in the oven. Um, anyway, uh, live at you is what we're doing here. It is Saturday, March 11th, and I'm doing this in the morning. A little change of pace for me here. Um, We got a lot to talk about today. Uh, Some updates on the musical front. I'm going to talk about uh, live achitas. 
and uh, what those are and, and the intent behind those and, and uh, trying to get some subscribers over to the, to the uh, podcast here. Um, a little, uh, a couple false starts and a couple botches in terms of things that I'm trying out musically and, uh, and sort of music business wise. Uh, we'll get into some of that. I'm going to answer my mom's question about percussion on rain in the desert. Um, talk a little bit about my Janie's gig from this past weekend and some cool opportunities that have sprung up from that. And uh, I've got uh, a little bit more from that book, Bumping Into Geniuses by Danny Goldberg, that I've been reading. Um, read a couple passages from that at the end of the last time, and uh, I thought that was kind of cool. We'll pull that thread, and I found another passage that I thought was pretty cool. Um, so yeah, let's, uh, let's get into it. Let's see here. What should we do first? Well, since my, since, uh, since my mom was asking... I did want to explain a little bit where the uh, percussion from Rain in the Desert came from. And uh, so this is a, a new demo track. Um, the melody is like, when the night is getting cold in the desert. Actually, you know what? I've got my acoustic right here. Let me uh, let me put this microphone in the little holder here and uh, grab my acoustic and play a couple bars for you. So yeah, the, I put out a demo of this track and... Just kind of a slinky little groove. When the night is getting cold in the desert And the water's splashing under my toes Used to overlook the rain in the desert Now it's literally right under my nose Let's take it slow Let's take it slow I just want to know it 
in a good mood how could you not be in a good mood singing that tried to bring a little kind of like Motown feel Motown sorry picked up the mic from the uh, the stand there so yeah that's rain in the desert it's the first song that I wrote after moving to Arizona and I was uh, surprised by the monsoons and uh, the torrential downpour that that uh, that can happen here in Arizona um, so yeah rain in the desert have I already done that on the podcast I got. I can't remember what I've done or what I haven't done. But anyway, I put out a demo which uh, which has some kind of a cool groove and, and some piano parts and this little uh, like strings uh, plucked string sound. And my mom uh, listened to the demo. I sent it out to my email list and kind of blasted it out on the internet a little bit. And uh, got it got some really nice feedback. Um, this ties out. I, was, I said I was going to talk a little bit about some false starts with music business stuff. I, I sent out this email campaign. I use MailChimp to send out my email campaign. Um, if you'd like to, to be on that, that list, it would mean the world to me if you signed up. I uh, keep my updates infrequent and substantive. That is my mantra when it comes to blasting out to, to the, the good people. And, um, yeah, you can sign up. There's a, a spot on the, the right-hand side of my webpage, garrettandersonmusic.com, where you can sign up. <clears throat> and, um, yeah, so I, I put the link in there. And then, uh, um, you know, I, I, I recorded the demo, posted the demo to SoundCloud, um, and then included the link in the, the, the mass email. And then a buddy and uh, also a, f- a friend from back in the Baltimore music scene, uh, Courtney, who actually did, uh, she she was generous enough to let me use one of her photos of me for my Baker's Dozen um, uh, CD artwork. Courtney and then another buddy of mine texted me. They, they, they responded back. They said, hey, the, the link in your email isn't working. And I was like, oh, fuck. Like, I just, I didn't want to be, uh, I'm a bit of a perfectionist when it comes to that stuff. And it was one of those situations where I was really encouraged that the community responded back to me and said, hey, this isn't quite working. Could you get it sorted out? And um, I was able to jump on it right away and, and correct the link and got it got it up and running again. So thank you to uh, Howie and to Courtney for reaching out um, and getting that that sorted out. Hopefully before too many people noticed. Um, and uh, and if you didn't notice, well, I just admitted it. So there you go. And the the lesson that I kind of took away is it's okay to make mistakes as you progress. You know, it's like things are not always going to be perfect, and it's okay to make these you know little screw ups are going to happen along the way. So. But uh, but anyway, so the the demo has a, a little bass and drums and and uh, just a little bit of guitar, a couple tracks of vocals, and um, I consider it a demo. You know, it's not in any sort of finished state, but I really liked how it turned out. And my mom wrote back. She wrote back, "Nice. Who did the percussion?" And I was like, "Oh, mom, that was me. Um, I, I got to use the uh, the piano sounds. So on this Yamaha keyboard that I have, um, let's see here, jazz kit." Yeah, so so here, you know, the piano, the keyboard has this tons and tons of, of they call it voices, right? And it's their piano sounds, their organ sounds. There's um, Most of them are kind of cheesy, you know, frankly. 
some of the, the guitar sounds and the bass sounds are kind of cheesy. The string sounds are kind of hit or miss. Um, some of the woodwind sounds are, are, you know, okay. If you kind of put some effects on them, they might work out okay. But uh, the drums are, are pretty solid for recordings. I'm uh, kind of demoing some of it here. Here, let me put the microphone up to the thing. Uh, so, yeah, Mom, that's that's the answer to your question. Um, speaking of which, if you have any questions at all, I, I really want this podcast and my musical adventure to be a community experience and something that's engaging for you. Um, so if you, there's anything you're curious about with what I do, um, musically or, or what I think about life or, or anything, anything at all, really, uh, drop a line. I'd love to get in touch and and answer some questions. So thanks mom for putting that question in. Um, (laughs) um, you gotta love how family is always there to support you, uh, as you're pursuing your, your passions. Um, or, you know, hopefully if you're lucky, like I am, I'm sure there's a lot of folks out there that are, they're trying to pursue passion without, without the sort of support that, that I'm very lucky to have. Um, and in, in that way, maybe, Hey, listen to this and, and know that I'm rooting for you too. I think that, um, pursuing your passion is extremely important and, uh, it, it really can make the world a better, happier place, especially if it helps you be a better, happier individual. Um, that's kind of what I'm trying to, uh, to, um, nurture as I have these, uh, these podcasts. Um, so yeah, let me, uh, let me tell you a little bit about what I'm looking to do here with this podcast. Um, it's, uh, so I was thinking about it before I hit record and what I'm hoping to show over time is sort of let this story of my musical adventure and me getting serious about the music business side of my adventure really, um, really unfold in front of your eyes or in, you know, in front of your ears since it's a, um, an auditory podcast. And if you can, you know, I'd like to be motivated to have incremental progress to report back to you on. So in between these podcasts, knowing that I'm going to do another podcast is keeping me motivated to hustle. And I want to have cool updates for you guys. Um, and then that's obviously a reflection of some progress and, and some risks and some putting myself out there that I'm doing in between the podcast. So, uh, I think I'm going to try to shoot, shoot for, you know, one a week or one every two weeks seems to be about the, the appropriate cadence for this and, um, keep them, uh, keep them similar to, uh, similar to the email campaigns, keep them substantive. Um, and then occasionally I'll ramble about, uh, what I have in my refrigerator and when I feel lazy about cooking dinners. If anybody has any easy, good, healthy dinner ideas that are, you know, conducive to a family that's, that's, you know, two, two parents working day jobs and, you know, the evenings kind of fly by, you don't want to spend your whole time cooking up something. And then next thing you know, you're putting the kids to bed and you're like, where did my life go? Where did that day of my life go? you know, one day at a time. So yeah, I, I'm hoping these podcasts can kind of give you a sense of how my uh, musical journey is, is unfolding one day at a time. Um, I'm on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. And uh, I actually try to do a little bit of different things across the different platforms and then use the email campaigns as the the official updates to the Garrett Anderson music experience. So if you're not on the email list, but you do dig some of what you're hearing, then, uh, then please, by all means, sign up. I don't think you'll regret it. Um, what else is happening? Oh, I always snap my, my mouth when I'm in between. I go,
that's not what you want to hear. Um, sorry about that. <sighs> Am I ever going to be able to break that habit? I think I can with some awareness. I did a little yoga before turning this on today. I was feeling really tight from taking a couple days off of exercise. Played a little hoop earlier in the week. And man, there is really no workout quite like playing basketball. That'll make you sore in places that you forgot. Um, so between that and some yoga, I'm feeling feeling pretty strong and pretty flexible these days. But I am getting creaky. Man, when I, uh, I bent my knees, you know, just like the noises that were coming out of my knees. Really nasty sound effects from my knees these days. Got to be careful of that. Um, so let's see here. The other thing that was a little bit... Uh, a little bit, um, I was, I was reflecting on the name of this podcast live at you. And I was like, wait a minute, is that in terms of SEO search engine optimization, like live at you may not be the, the, the perfect choice for a name for a podcast because I spell at, at you is not a real word. And I spell it a T C H Y a, whereas some people might hear, Oh, live at you or live at you and, and think it's AT space YA or AT space YOU or AT YA. I don't know, but it's at you, A-T-C-H-Y-A, a made up word, which may serve me well in terms of SEO, because if you type it in right, this should be one of the only things that comes up because it's a made up word. But uh, the, the risk, of course, is if people don't spell my name right or don't get live at you right, they might not be able to find it. Um, but frankly, my community is small and intimate enough that if you want to find it, you should be able to find it. Um, there, I don't think there's anyone out there just going like, oh, yeah, I, I, somebody told me that there's this podcast called Live At Ya, and I, I couldn't figure out how to find it on iTunes. That would, that would be pretty, um, I don't know. I, don't, I, I think that's probably not that um, strong of a possibility that someone wouldn't be able to find it. But, uh, you know, it's those things like search engine optimization on the business side where it's like, ah, that's just a bunch of crock, you know? And, but it's not, it really matters. You know, there's whole companies devoted to maximizing your SEO. And, uh, luckily I think I'm, I'm kind of had a, uh, enough of a head start that if you type in Garrett Anderson music, you'll be able to find most of my stuff. So, um, but live at you, I was like, is that the right name for this? And I was like, Hey, you know what? That's what sort of organically came out. I like saying coming at you live at the start of these things. So we're going to run with that. And then, um, and then the little development, uh, on that, the evolution is uh, I'm going to be putting out these live achitas. So I was, I was influenced by some of my, uh, you know, Southwestern culture over here with, uh, with sort of the Spanish ita, like senorita means like little, you know, like uh, ita or ito is for uh, little version of the thing. So the live achitas, um, I noticed that I used the feminine live achito. That doesn't have the same ring. Live acha, live achita. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, is going to be little uh, snippets from the previous podcast. So I'm like 20 some odd into, I think this will be the 23rd maybe. Um, and I'm like, I just, I w it took a while to kind of get my, my bearings on this stuff. And um, I don't want necessarily everyone, if you don't want to, you shouldn't have to listen to the first, I don't know, 15 hours of audio to catch up. So I wanted to 
kind of come correct, come with respect to any newcomers and put out these live achitas, which is going to kind of recap some of the highlights from the previous uh, live atches. And uh, I think that'll serve two things. One, it'll let people that are newcomers catch up. And two, um, it'll sort of highlight that even though not every minute of this is riveting, there are some highlights. There are some fun moments that happen, um, some spontaneous moments, um, some some interesting performances, and uh, and stuff like that. So I think it'll be a way to highlight the highlight the highlights, to put it in a redundant sort of way. And uh, I'm excited about that. It's it's kind of um, given me a chance to reflect back on on things and and bring out a little bit of, of what we've already done and use it uh, while I, I continue to move forward. So I think over the next few weeks, at least, I'm going to try to put out a live achita um, one week and then a new live at you the next week. So it'll kind of be a little bit of the old, a little bit of the new moving forward. And uh, I think that'll work out well sort of borrowed that concept from um, the comedian Bill Burr. And I like to listen to his podcast. And he's been doing these Monday morning podcasts for a long, long time. If you uh, don't mind a little bit of raunchy humor, he's, uh, I think he's, he's pretty funny and, and uh, sort of a subtle genius in the way he approaches his logical, um, logical, uninformed opinions about things. And uh, yeah, I mean, he's, he's sort of an influence for me to, to try to do this. And then he uh, recently, I think within the last year or maybe the last two years or so, started doing these Thursday afternoon podcasts where he does a little check-in on you. He'll give you about you know 15 to 30 minutes of, of new uh, podcast, and then they'll play some some clips from previous podcasts. And I was like, oh, that's cool. So now I'm hearing Bill Burr from you know 10 years ago, and I thought that was interesting and uh, wanted to sort of emulate it and see if it works for for what I'm doing here. Um. Hey, my little one's here. Hey, Bryn, come here. Come here, Brynny. Hey, Bryn, I'm doing my podcast. Do you want to say something? Hey, Dad, look. Hey, what do you got? What's that? Huh? She's got a Pez dispenser. Look. A Beauty and the Beast Bell Pez dispenser. What's wrong with it? Eh. Is there a problem? Or are you just showing me? Uh, they're all gone. They're all gone. You need some more Pez, huh? Hey, yes. Okay, can I, uh, let me finish up what I'm doing, and then I'll try to get you some more Pez. No, um, um, I can get myself Pez because I know where the Pez is. Where's the Pez? Um, in the cabinets. Oh, boy. The top cabinets. All right, well, how about you wait for me so I can help you? No, um, I don't need help. Oh, boy, I'm a little misindependent here, my four-year-old. All right, that was, that was Bryn checking in on us, letting the world know that she needs some more Pez. Um, oh boy. Oh boy. Am I really going to let her go get candy all by herself while I'm doing this? That could be bad. I think she might eat an entire pack of Pez. Isn't that part of being a kid though? Part of being a kid is having some free time and knowing that, you know, it sounds like rationalization. That sounds like potential bad parenting rationalization. Ooh, I don't know about this. Hold on. Let me, let me hit pause. I'll be right back. All right, so I did go check on Bryn. Um, <laughs> this is funny. I get down there, and she had already, uh, literally like 45 seconds after we, uh, after she came in and told me she needed Pez, she was already up um, on the counter, reaching into the cabinet, grabbing herself Pez. She found it, um, a fresh pack. And uh, I noticed that there was also an empty bag of marshmallows. We had a leftover bag of marshmallows on. The, there's an empty bag of marshmallows on the floor. So she's already gotten a little bit of a sugar fix. And then she goes, uh, she goes, Dad, can I eat the whole thing? 
I go, well, if you eat the whole thing, you're not going to have any left. So what I'd suggest is you eat two or three, and then you put it away for a while, and then next time you want some more, you can go get some. And she goes, okay, Dad, and walks away, and uh, I'm going to leave it up to her. If she chooses to eat the whole thing, so be it. You know, she'll, she'll learn that lesson and get a sweet sugar high. Sugar high. Wasn't that? They used that song in um, Empire Records, which is kind of a, a fun movie when I was growing up about kids working, or, you know, kids, teenagers working at a record store. Sugar high. Never got to know you. Never wondered why. Sugar high. I don't remember it very well, but um, what was I talking about? Um, let me consult the, uh, the outline here. Um, man, my kids are blasting some TV downstairs too. I don't know if you can hear that. I think you could definitely hear it when I open the door to let Bryn in. Bryn into my guest studio. Oh wait, guest bedroom studio. That's what's happening here. Man, I'm, I'm really lucky to have a, a hobby that I can share with people and that keeps me so occupied and and feeling peaceful and like I'm putting something positive into the world. Um, I consider myself very lucky. A little gratitude moment. Um, so yeah, let's talk about a quick recap from uh, my Janie's gig this Sunday. Uh, they had me play outside and I was uh, gigging from seven to nine on a Sunday night and we checked the temperature. It was supposed to be like 60 and it got down to 58 and there was a little bit of a breeze and without the sunshine and kind of in that cold, you know, cool, dry desert air, 58 was actually a little chilly for my fingers. So it was a, a little bit of a, a tough gig to, to get through in terms of comfort and, and agility on my fingers. And the guitar was kind of coming out in and out of tune a little bit. So, uh, but you know, I practiced, uh, tuning up and, and sharing a, a little, you know, story on the microphone or introducing the next song while I was tuning up. Um, I, I, uh, tried to use my iPad for, um, lyrics and I only, I'd only gotten through, you know, I think the letter C in uh, my lyric book. So I had only had songs that started, you know, were performed by artists with, with names starting through A through C cause I keep it alphabetized. Um, and I was like, all right, you know, that, that should be enough for a two hour gig. And, and Janie's is, is pretty receptive to original music as well. So I was like, you know what, let me challenge myself. Uh, I'm going to try to work off of original material. Um, the few songs that are in the iPad and really kind of road test that, uh, I ended up bailing on the iPad thing pretty early on. Um, I used it for soul shine, Allman brothers, right. Or I've got it, I've got it filed under Allman brothers and, um, I, a guy actually told me later, I said, yeah, that was Soul Shine by Allman Brothers. He goes, I think that's a government mule song. I think Warren Haynes wrote it. And, and, uh, he was like, I, I don't know if you should credit the almonds for that. And I was like, okay, duly noted. I, I'm going to have to look into that, especially as a songwriter looking to get into publishing and licensing and things. I should be, if anybody should be appreciative of who the original songwriter was, it should be me. So I actually do kind of, I appreciate that that guy called it out. Um, I need to check on that. Anybody know, um, is did Warren Haynes write Soulshine? Should I credit the Allman Brothers or Warren Haynes or Government Mule? Um, oh, okay. Speaking of Government Mule, right? So the gig was Sunday. Let me back up to Saturday last weekend. Me and my buddy went to McDowell Mountain Music Fest. So that was another thing kind of working against me at the gig was that I was a little bit tired from um, doing the festival day and uh, staying out 
a little bit late with my buddy on Saturday. So I was a little fatigued going into Sunday's gig. And, um, but I, I was inspired to be playing some, some instruments and singing some song, you know, playing my guitar and singing because, uh, unbeknownst to us, the day of McDowell mountain music festival that we went to on Saturday, it was the only day that was going to work with our schedules happened to be the like electro funk DJ day. And we, and then Sunday was more of the like roots rock um, scene. Like Sunday had Government Mule. That's that's what jogged my memory. Was the headliner on Sunday. Um, There's a band called Lettuce that was playing. That I was excited to check out um, if if we were able to make it Sunday, which we weren't. Uh, and then Railroad Earth was before them. Um, so there was like you know, Railroad Earth is like a kind of a bluegrass band, right? So bluegrass revival band, new grass, if you will. And so all these cool acts on Sunday, uh, we kind of skimmed the the festival lineup and didn't really realize that they loaded up Saturday with all the electro acts. So I was like, hey, let's go in with an open mind. It'll be fun. You know, push comes to shove. It's not so terrible to be um, hanging out on, you know, in a grassy park, doing a little day drinking in the sunshine. It was a beautiful day. So we, you know, it was like we really couldn't lose, even if we weren't blown away by the acts that were on Saturday. But uh, I did want to sort of come to terms with what am I going to be judgy about um, electronic acts and the reliance on pushing play of, you know, samples or grooves or what have you that they've produced, which is a talent in and of itself, but maybe not necessarily the most compelling live show. And I have to say, I went in and I tried to be open-minded about it, but I, by the end of the night, I was willing, you know, I kind of enjoyed it as we were doing it, but by the end of the night, I was like, no, I, I kind of need instruments. I kind of need live performance. If I'm going to go see a band in concert, it really, it, it's, it, by the end of the night, it was a joke. Me and my buddy were, were taking our index finger and like making the gesture of pushing play. It was like, okay, everybody, here's my next song. And then, you know, you just let your finger come down, index finger, like you're pushing play on a, on a VCR or a, a stereo or whatever. Because there was so much of that. Now, there was a fair bit of, of genuine musicianship, and there was some acoustic drums. That was the other thing. My buddy and I had an over-under on drummers, like live, live drum kit drummers. We were like, man, there's a lot of electronic acts. Like, do these, do these folks even have drums? Do they even have instruments? So I, I got to set the line, and then he, he picked over or under. I said three and a half. There's like seven or eight acts. And it was th- three and a half was the line that I set. And he said under, uh, it did end up being an over, but just barely. I think there was four on the nose, maybe five. We didn't, we, honestly, we didn't catch the very last act because there was another buddy in town that we wanted to meet up with. So, um, it, but it, it was, it was just strange to, to, you know, you're watching guys on stage, push play and then play instruments along with the groove that they had recorded and some of the bands and, it just was not doing it for me. Um, there's two things that I think happen. One is I'm turned off as a live performer of music myself that it kind of looks like cheating to me. I'm like, okay, so cool. Like you, it's basically singing along to, you know, to the radio. It's like, you know, you don't have a lot of people getting together for a festival um, and, and getting together and just, you know, plugging in their 
aux chord into a humongous sound system and pressing play on their favorite playlist. Like that, that to me is that defeats the spirit. It defeats the purpose. Um, and then the other thing is I think it, it takes groove out of it. It takes the ebb and flow of, you know, this, this piece, this section of the tune gets a little more intense. So it might speed up just a hair, right? If you're working off of a track that's metronomed out, it's going to have that robotic feel, no matter how cool the production is that goes into it and how many neat sounds they have. Um, I got to see Chromio and I like Chromio's recordings and I didn't love seeing them live. You know, guys, guys playing guitar, guys are playing synthesizers and, and keyboards and they can both play guitar. And at one point they were, you know, they had their backs to each other playing this harmonized guitar lick. And I was like, okay, this is like, but, but then the rest of the track was, was, you know, backing track. And I was like, man, what is going on here? Like it, it just, it, it didn't resonate with me. Um, Chromio, you know, they, they write some cool pop, you know, really fun, groovy anthems. But seeing it live, I would much rather see them with a band, a full actual band, right? Um, maybe it's economically not in their interest to do that, right? They don't want to have to split their festival earnings with a bunch of people. It's just two guys, right? They just split it between themselves. And uh, I don't know, their management and, and their agency or whoever else is going, you know, getting a little bit of that piece of the pie. But, uh, but yeah, so me and my buddy, Darren, we were just doing that. We were miming, pushing the play every time we heard it and recognized it. And it was started cracking us up. Cause it was just like our little inside joke of pushing play. And then the other thing he, uh, he goes, um, the other thing we noticed was there's a lot of instructions with these kind of acts right there. Cause they, they want to be an engaging show, but they're relying on pushing play a lot. So, one of the things we noticed is there was a lot of like, and a four, three, two, go, right? There's a lot of countdowns, a lot of instructions about like, everybody clap your hands, right? And like, you know, to some degree, that's cool. You know, like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm all for like audience participation, but when every act is, is telling you what to do over and over again, it gets a little tiring, right? You know, I'm like, so the, the, it kind of came to a head, this guy named DJ Mustard, we got to see him and he was literally a DJ. So he was standing up there behind a, a, a box with a screen on the front with some visuals and, uh, whatever he was doing behind there, I don't know, maybe he had some turntables and was, was working, you know, tunes in and out and just kind of mixing in some tunes. I don't know if they were his songs that he produced the backing tracks for, but there was like, I think there was even like rap, you know, rap performances on the backing tracks of the guys that he collaborated with. And I was just like, why are we watching this? Like we could just put this on, on Spotify in my car and, uh, and we could all go home. Right. So I was a little confused and I was getting a little bit frustrated at that point. I was like, DJ mustard, come on, man. Like, um, and, uh, and he, he was, he was trying to, you know, pump up the crowd and doing the MC thing. He was like, Hey, a uh, uh, Phoenix, how's it going? Wow. Right. And like most people are eating it up and I, that's fine. You know, I've been there, done that. I, I don't really need to get swept away in the, in the crowd participation piece. And then it came to a head when he was like, all right, everybody get low for this one. And there was this little breakdown in a groove on, on a song and, um, you know, he like pulls his, his fader all the way down. So it's just him talking. He's like, we got to get everybody low on this one. 
and me and my buddy are sitting there drinking a beer and there's this other sort of middle-aged guy and we totally showed our age we the three of us banded together and we kind of shared a look and we were like fuck no like we're we're old guys we're not getting low for this song you know and my buddy turns to me he's like man i don't like being told what to do he's like i don't come to festivals to have to follow instructions and i was like oh that's hysterical so this dj mustard is trying to get the whole crowd to get down and i think we were like so you know we weren't too far back where it was and we kind of blended in with the rest of the crowd that was coming and going we were close enough to the stage where it was obvious and we stood out like sore thumbs and i'm six foot three my buddy darren's like six three this other guy must have been you know like five eleven or something so there's three of us that are standing there looking and looming large and to be honest, I had a little bit of like discomfort in my tummy from like, oh God, we're being rebellious. Like this, this performer is telling, telling us to get down, um, you know, like low to the ground and everybody else is doing it. And the three of us are standing up and, uh, and we were like, we're not doing it. And we formed this little, little three man pack packed right there. Um, and we were like, we're not doing it. We're not doing it. We're standing up. And I just kind of sipped my beer awkwardly. And I'm sure my ears probably got red. And I feel I felt like, you know, felt like we were rebels. Um, but uh, yeah, so too many instructions, too many like three, two, one, go. I was like, okay, like we 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 know when the one is going to come. We we can feel it. We don't need you to coach us through that every time. But uh, but that was you know when it's like three two four one boots 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 right I mean it's fun um, but I was like eh three two four one no one nobody said that that was my own spin on it that's what I would do I try to confuse people three two seven nine right. Um, and then uh, this band that I really wanted to, to like was called Sun Squabby. And I had listened to their album um, before going and checking it out. I was like, oh, this band could be really cool. Let's go check them out. Uh, they were on the side stage. And I went and, and, and watched them. And it was a bass player, a drummer, and a guitar player. And then the guitar player had some organ in front of him, some piano. But that was another thing. Like, as I'm shitting on this, I do want to say that there are some genuine, you know, musical moments and some real talent that goes into this playing along to backing tracks isn't easy drummers that play along with backing tracks is is really impressive to me because again i'm more of a feel player um i don't want to have to tap my toe to the metronome the whole time but uh so these these guys um sun squabby uh i wanted to like them so bad uh, they, but they had a lot of that backing track going on. Like, for instance, w- one of the things that they, uh, one of the sort of tricks of the trade that they kept using was the guitar player would trigger um, a melody that was playing on a really cool keyboard sound, and then he would double it on his guitar. And what didn't help matters was that their sound was off. Like, his guitar wasn't up to the same level as the bass and the drums and the other samples so his guitar playing was getting lost in the mix and um that's got to be a challenge for a sound guy that's that's working with a live band plus the backing track is getting that perfect blend so poor guy like he was he was trying to shred his heart out and i'm sure it was really interesting sounding but just the mix was off so his guitar was buried and it was really hard to appreciate the performance for for everything that it was attempting to be and then I've still got my chip on my shoulder about the backing track. And I'm like, ah, oh, man, like, 
I wanted to like it really bad. Their bass player had energy out the wazoo and this big crinkly curly hair that was like, you know, froed out, but also flowing. And um, he was just rocking out. Like it could be the simplest bass line ever, but he was moving the whole time. Like he was dancing. He was leading the dance party from the stage, which was cool. Um, so Sun Squabby, I, I wanted to like it so bad. And, you know, I, it was one of my preferred acts of the day. Um, and then there was, there was a saving grace. I got to give super duper shout outs to this band Turquoise, T-U-R-K-U-A-Z. They are a like nine piece funk disco groove band and no backing tracks, all live performance, two female singers. Uh, hold on. Let me think about it from left to right. There was like a baritone sax, uh, alto sax a trumpet player that could also play keys. He had keyboards set up next to him and he was sometimes doing it at the same time. Really, really impressive, right? And then a guitar player, singer, drummer behind him, bass player was going ape shit. Like he <laughs> he was he was also rocking out the bass players. Bass player bass players brought it on Saturday at uh McDowell Mountain Music Fest. Uh okay, so uh and then lady singer that also played a little bit of tambourine and percussion and stuff. Another lady singer. And then this mad scientist guitar player keyboard guy over to the far right that was just super nonchalant but shredded. Um, super duper interesting guitar leads and super duper interesting like band dynamic. They brought the horns in. They had multiple people singing. The guy on baritone sax uh, could sing some songs. They uh, they played "The Shape I'm In" by the band um, as one of their last songs. And just a powerhouse band. Super duper tight. Super energetic. And I was like, oh, thank God, there is hope for music. Like they 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 were the shining star of Saturday for me. Um, so thank you turquoise for coming to Phoenix. Um, and I hope you guys had fun because I had a great time in the crowd. I got a little video of it. I might, I might post it on my Facebook or something. So turquoise, whew, they saved the day. They were so cool. I really, really enjoyed them. Um, let's see here. Anything else to note from the festival? I mean, it was a great time. I, I don't want to sound like I was down on it. I had a couple they had Oscar Blues was the beer that they were vending and, um, you know, had a little bit of uh, dinner from one of the food trucks, which was pretty good. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, friendly people, good vibes, good atmosphere. Really, really can't complain. I had a, I had a nice time. It was really awesome kicking it with my buddy. Um, so that was Saturday. And then Sunday at Janie's, I was a little bit, a little bit hungover, a little bit, you know, uh, tired from the day before. And, uh, but I did want to go out and put on as good of a show as I could. It was a little bit chilly. Some folks were inside the Jan uh, Janie's, uh, air, you know, kind of bar area. A couple folks uh, sat outside for as long as they could, but it was a little chilly. Um, this guy had his dog walking around, which was pretty cool. Um, somebody lit a fire out on the back patio area. So, I mean, so it was pretty, pretty idyllic scene. You know, there's, there's me doing my solo performer thing and some people sitting around in, in chairs by the fire and a couple couples that looked like they were out on dates. And then this group came in at the very end that, um, that kind of sat there and, and were giving me encouraging, encouraging, uh, feedback. Um, and they, uh, they really dug when I started playing the weight by the band, and I sang that song. It's always fun to sing that because I've got two references in there. They they talk about Jack the dog, 
and I've got a dog named Jack. And then they also talk about Anna Lee. And one of my, uh, my nieces is named Anna Lee. So, uh, wait, one of my, she's my only niece, right? No, no, she's one of my nieces, um, is called Anna Lee. And, uh, so I kind of, I send a little loving vibe out from my mind and from my heart as I'm singing about those lines. I think about my dog and, and my niece when I'm singing the weight by the band and, and this little foursome that was sitting at the table in front of me really, really enjoyed it. And, uh, I wrapped up my set and I was, you know, out of time for the night and, and they were like, Hey, encore, I'm, you know, can you play one more? Come on. We, you know, we just started, just started grooving cause they'd gotten there a little bit later. So I was like, Hey, you know, that's pretty cool. Um, so I played, uh, I said, Hey, let's, let's stick with the theme of the band. And I played a little bit of Cripple Creek for him. And that was really fun. And uh, one of the late, I went and said hello to the group uh, after. And one of the ladies that was chilling there was like, hey, I work at a, a place over here called Local Johnny's. And I think you'd be a great fit. What You should reach out to them and, and I'll, I'll tell them about you. So the next day I get home and I'm kind of doing one of the things I've learned over the years is like you, you, you play the gig, but then you've got some follow-up homework, right? If you've done your job meeting people and trying to seek out some opportunities, you've got some follow-up to do. Um, I still need to uh, follow up. I met the musician that played before me. I need to follow up and check his stuff out and reach out to him a little bit. And then, uh, I, I contacted this other pub, local Johnny's and, uh, they got back to me within a couple of days and said, Hey, we really dig your stuff are you free some Saturday coming up? So I pitched them a couple Saturdays. I'm going to go play there April 8th. So that was incredible turnaround and very affirming for me to go play a set where, I, you know, the iPad thing didn't quite work out as I had hoped. Um, oh, I was saying I used it for soul shine. And then, um, the, uh, the iPad, I forgot to like change the setting so that it wouldn't go to sleep. Um, so it just kind of went black on me halfway through soul shine. And, uh, and at that point I was like, all right, whatever. I, and I'd forgotten to plug it in so that it was going to be charged the whole time. And I was like, all right, I've got a little, little learning curve here with the iPad thing. So I'm still going to work on that one for upcoming gigs. Um, the other thing that I, th it crosses my mind is some of these hot gigs in the spring and summer here in Arizona, that iPad might overheat and might like clunk out on me. So I think I got to still lug my three ring binder of lyrics around for the time being. But, uh, but yeah, so the, you know, I was a, a little bit tired. I didn't feel like I kind of had my a plus game. Uh, there's one time I was playing Ramblin' man by the almond brothers. Lord, I was born a rambling man. Yeah. And I went to play some lead guitar at the end and try to get that like right the really nice like outro guitar groove and I was like you know what let me go for it and I kind of tripped all over tripped all over myself on the leads it kind of threw me into this like kind of panicked discomfort and I went to do something clever with my looping station and accidentally turned off the groove that I had, that I had started working. You know, it's funny as I, I'm thinking like the looper is this middle ground between pressing play. Cause I'm creating the loop on the fly. So I think that gives it the pass. I had to play it on, on my instrument the first go around. It's not like I recorded something into my looper the day before the gig. And then I said, Hey, let's play rambling man. And then pressed play and it started playing the backing track. So I give myself a pass on the looper, but I think even that can be abused. Um, so, uh, so rambling, man, I stumbled all over myself, ended up turning off the, 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 the chord progression that I had going on the looper. 
And I was just like, oh, I botched it. <laughs> I think I said that out loud on the mic. I was like, oh, I botched it. So, I mean, there's there's good moments and there's there's little stumbling box, stumbling blocks along the way. But, um, you know, I got through it and it, it even turned into another gig. Everybody was friendly, you know, like I you're I think I'm probably like most musicians where I'm my own hardest critic. So uh, I cut myself a little slack. I've learned how to cut myself a little slack and keep it positive. And uh, it, it even crossed my mind that in that song, Ramblin' Man, he says, trying to make a living and doing the best I can. And I said, hey, you know, tonight, <laughs> the lyric that I latched onto there was doing the best I can, right? And uh, uh, kind of kept it moving from there. So tried to make a little joke out of it. And uh, the folks that were there, it was a small kind of intimate crowd. They were kind of talking back and forth with me, too. They said, hey, you know, don't worry about it. <laughs> so that was nice. Um, yeah, so overall, a great gig. Um, and nice to, to brush the, uh, the cobwebs off and then uh, also be an advocate for actual music and not pressing play with my index finger. Boop, press and play. So uh, let's wrap up here with a little bit of that Cripple Creek um, in the spirit of the uh, the encore, which was really nice. You know, it's not every day that you get an encore as a solo performer at a at a little pub. So uh, yeah, let's do that. Hold on, bear with me as I put the microphone in here, and uh, just gonna give you a little taste of uh, Cripple Creek here, and then we'll we'll get out of here and let you get back to your day. When I get off this mountain, you know where I wanna go. Straight down the Mississippi River to the Gulf of Mexico. The lake shots Louisiana, the little best girl that I once knew. She told me to come on by if there's anything that she could do. I sit up on Cripple Creek, she sent me fire spring a leak. She meant me, I don't have to speak She defend me, a drunkard's dream If I ever did see you Well, good luck had to stall me To the racetrack, I did go She bet on one act win And I bet on another to show The odds were in my favor I had a five to one Sure enough, around that track, sure enough, she had won. Up on Cripple Creek, she sent me if I sprang a leak. She meant that I don't have to speak. She defend me a drunkard's dream if I ever did see one. Right, yeah, was, sorry, I botched the lyrics. Good luck had just stung me to the racetrack. I'd go, etc., etc. There's a lot of lyrics to that song. Um, well, in the spirit of uh, positivity, I'll say that was good enough. <laughs> and just a little flavor of what I was up to on Sunday. It was better on Sunday. Oh God, excuses, excuses. All right. Anyway, um, hope you're doing great. Keep uh, keep fighting the good fight, and I'll check in with everybody in uh, you know a week or two, and watch out for the live cheetahs. Uh, the little uh, recap live atches coming at you. Coming at you live. Live at Cheetahs. And uh, tell a friend. Subscribe. Um, reach out with any questions, comments, or concerns. Um, and uh, 
Like I promised, I did want to wrap up with another passage from this Bumping into Geniuses, My Life Inside the Rock and Roll Business by Danny Goldberg. It's got some really cool anecdotes in here. He worked with uh, Zeppelin. There's a whole big chapter about working with Zeppelin. And uh, he, he worked with Stevie Nicks. Um, Tom Petty sang uh, some background vocals for Stevie Nicks. And they were sharing songs and... You know, really, really interesting stuff. He uh, talks about, you know, PR and bands' relationships with the press and with the critics and the scene in New York and as it evolved over time and, you know, uh, guys that were hip with Warhol and just all this really cool, like, golden age of rock stuff uh, where they, you know, he kind of gives some behind-the-scenes stuff. Um, And uh, let's see here. Um, so he's talking about when he was working with Led Zeppelin, he wanted to pitch this story to, um, the press about how Zeppelin outsold the Beatles. Uh, Led Zeppelin broke the Beatles records in terms of a single night concert. Cause, uh, you know, they were playing, um, Tampa stadium, which technically could hold more than Shea stadium. So the Beatles epic concert at Shea stadium in 1965 was, um, you know, outdone in terms of a single night of concert attendance by Zeppelin in 1973 um, in, oh wait, Atlanta. Um, No, in Tampa, right? But uh, later on, he's talking about how the band is noticing um, people going into the Atlanta show. And uh, uh, let's see here, where are we? Okay, so Peter Grant is the uh, the manager of Zeppelin at the time, and he turns to the author of this book, Danny Goldberg, and says um, he's noticing that there's a highway uh, next to the venue. So they've got this contrast of being able to see um, adoring fans, you know, by by the mob streaming into the concert um, next to juxtaposed against the highway where you know people are driving along and doing whatever they're doing with their life. And uh, the manager, Peter, uh, turns to the author of the book and says, Look at that, he said to me with childlike excitement. In here, people are screaming and jumping around and having the time of their life. And out there, those people in those cars don't have the slightest idea what is going on. Um, And then the author says he told it to another guy um, who used it in a book about Led Zeppelin and sort of uh, interpreted it in his own way, uh, thinking, and I'm paraphrasing here, thinking that the manager was was making the observation to um, motivate the PR guy to get more people involved in Led Zeppelin. Like he was was pointing out that there was all these people that weren't fans yet and weren't contributing to Zeppelin's success. And, um, And the author says he interpreted it differently. Um, He says, and back to quotes here, I felt that in the euphoria of the moment, he was simply tripping out on the notion of parallel realities occurring so close to each other. Rock concerts at their best generated a tribal reality for the fans in which they shared moments of all-consuming joy and later felt that they shared a secret that non-fans could never understand. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, I like that sentiment, and it's something that I can absolutely relate to, especially with some of the fish concerts that I've been to. That that community, you know, a la like the Grateful Dead community and and other uh, other communities, and uh, hey, maybe even like the EDM electro funk scene has has that as well. Um, but uh, you know that that tribal identity that you get when you're inside the concert and wrapped up in the moment of the music, and everybody's getting hit in the chest with the same groove. 
You know, there's something really cool about that. There's a reason that shamans and, and tribes, you know, from back when we were living in jungles, used to have like drum circles and, and just dance parties around the fire, right? There's something really, really innate about, uh, about that. So anyway, that was a little bit from Bumping Into Geniuses by Danny Goldberg. I'll probably finish up that book in the next week or two. And um, yeah, I'll, uh, I'm going to keep working on being a lifelong learner, both in terms of my musicianship as well as the music business stuff. And I'll uh, keep you posted on the journey. Thanks for hanging out with me. Um, Garrett Anderson signing off. Cheers, and enjoy this little groovy, trippy outro music, which I recorded last night. Peace. Peace.